Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Have you ever heard the statement, I've got good news and I've got bad news. What do you want first? If you had picked the good news first, let me hear you say, yeah. If you picked the bad news first, let me hear you say, oh yeah. Typically, we want to hear the bad news first because then we know how much stress that we can get. Because sometimes it's not easy to enjoy the good news if you don't properly give worry to the bad news. And in fact, when you hear the good news after hearing the bad news, you can feel like the, the good news is a trick. Because really it was all bad news. And the only thing somebody did was try to give you some good thing to think about to trick you from the fact that it's all bad news. You ever been in that situation? Over and over again. So basically, the information that we receive can either bring us up or take us down. So you need to be careful about the information you receive. And in this world, especially when it comes to the news and social media, there is constantly misinformation and disinformation that's always causing your emotions to go up and down. In fact, when you, when you hear information, especially that is negative, it stirs in you an emotion that becomes contagious and attached to other people. What emotions do you have when you receive your news, especially when it's bad? You actually pass that along to someone else if you have a bad reaction to the, to the news. I'm here to tell you that there are some messages going out about God that are not good. Stuff like, he doesn't care. Is he really here with us? Why does this evil happen? And I believe that the combat that bad news we need to have a fact check on God. And in this fact check, I'm hoping that we could discover that the good news is worth focusing on and the bad news is worth leaving under the blood, under the cross, and that something that God has solved. When we turn to the book of James, we're gonna see that the author of the book is trying to help people deal with not receiving the bad news over the good news. Chain turn to James chapter one. We're gonna read 16, 17, and 18. Let's go from there. Here we go, ready, read. These people in this text have been tricked. Their lives were poor. They were under persecution. The greatest thing that had happened in their life is that they found out that Jesus was the Son of God, was the Messiah, did come, die, be buried, was raised again in the newness of life, and they accepted him as Lord and Savior. 
And that's the best news and the greatest news you can ever have. But something in their circumstances were causing them to look at other news other than that great news. In fact, we know this from the verses before. The Bible says, let no man say when he is tempted, he's tempted of God because God tempts no man with evil. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed on his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. There is a war going on. One of the things is trying to give news about the negativity that's associated with God and serving him. And the other is, you know, God is good and all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And this seems to be a contrast. The first thing in this verse we see, it says, don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't get off course. Don't go astray. Don't deviate. Don't roam. Don't wander. And there's going to be all of these things that cause you to wander to making God out to be the enemy versus your friend. Where was he? Why did this happen? If he really loved me, if he was really here for me, why? Now, I know this is going on because the text says, don't be deceived. And the next thing it says, because you are a beloved brother. So at some point, there was a temptation that God doesn't love me. At some point, there was a temptation that my brother doesn't love me and that I'm not associated with something that's good. I'm associated with something that's bad. Good news is trying to trump out the good news. The Bible says in Isaiah, woe to you who call evil good and good evil or light darkness and darkness light or bitter sweet and sweet bitter. The only solution we have to this is what the Bible says in John, which is we abide in his word. Hang out. The way you fact check misinformation and disinformation is by staying in the word, being full of the Holy Ghost, and being led by his spirit. Now, when we're deceived, when we're led astray, it is so easy to point the finger at somebody else besides ourselves. Now, I've told this story in church before, but I'm going to tell it again. It does me no Good service to tell this story about myself, but I'm going to do it because I believe it will bless you. My kids, when they were young, did well at homeschool and on the vacation, trip back home. I should say this is something I did and my wife did. Just to make sure you're in there with me, honey, on this. <laughs> got it, got it. We're one, and so you are part of this decision that's coming up. And I stopped to get gas, and oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, you in this. You in this, baby, I'm preaching the sermon. You in this sermon. <laughs> and on the side of the road, they, was, they, had, they, they had the guy, the sign said, micro mini pigs for sale. And I don't want my kids to say, well that would be cool to get one of those, and so, I went, and I said, you sure they don't get big? He said, they're micro minis. They don't. I said, are, are they clean? He said, they're cleaner than dogs. And I said, well, how much is He said, the bargain price of $125 per pig. And he said, you, we like to sell them in pairs. So that's just $250. I went to the car. I said, Debbie, these kids didn't doing good in school. Let's get them some pigs. And you know the only way them pigs got in the car is she had to say, she had to say what? 
Yeah, because she would, the pigs wouldn't be in the car if she said no, would they? Let's correct all of this in front of the people, baby. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just making it plain. <laughs> Dave, you live one mile from me. I'm, it's fine, yeah, I'll be there for about a week. Anyway, so we got the pigs, but here's what happened. Somebody tricked me, because I got home, and number one, it's against the law to have the pigs in Brentwood. Number two is that the pigs start growing big, and three, they definitely stink. And I really knew I messed up because we named them Bonnie and Clyde Lowe. <laughs> so you know all this is going wrong. So I went to my friend, Miranda, who goes to this church. She's a farmer. And she said, I said, Miranda, these people tricked me. She said, because the pig is now this big, by the way. It's, it's alive to this day. It's this big. She said, you didn't buy a pig. You brought a hog. And I said, well, the people tricked me. She said, no, no, they didn't trick you. She said, you, oh, look, oh, Jesus, that's my pig. That's Bonnie, that's a real, that's Bonnie, Bonnie Lowe. Right there. That's Bonnie Lowe. Now, that ain't nothing micro or mini about that pig. You know I was deceived. You know I was tricked. You know I was made to wonder. But you know what? The Bible says <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 3, let no one deceive himself. Amen. Before someone else can deceive you, you have to ignore all the other things that God is doing on the inside of you to make sure you don't make bad decisions and to make sure your good news don't turn into bad news. He said, Miranda said, something in your conscience had to tell you it wasn't no micro mini pig. <laughs> and it's true. You see, before Eve was deceived, she deceived herself and she changed the name of the tree from good and evil to just good. And she saw that it would make one wise. She disobeyed God because she deceived herself that she could be elevated to the same place as God. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sometimes I look at the problems in my life, the situations in my life, and I'm, I want to blame the government, I want to blame my family, I want to blame the, my, my boss and my employer, but the real reality is I'm the sum total of the seeds I've sown. Yes, there are things that happen calamitous in our life that don't have to do with what you sow, but in, by and large, there are things that you do that bring the calamities to you. Don't be deceived about that. The Bible says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. That means there are people in your life that can act like wolves in sheep's clothing and they can lead you astray. Raise your hand if you've ever been tricked in here. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever been duped. Raise your hand. if you Keep it up. Raise your hand if you've ever been a part of a scheme. Raise your hand if your kids have ever told you a lie and decide you knew it was a lie. You knew it, but you didn't call them out. Put your hand down because your kids is watching you. <laughs> the thing is, he says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. You're beloved. My wife said something to me. You remember this? The first year of our marriage, Debbie. Uh, you know, the first year of your marriage after the honeymoon period is over, you know what I'm saying? You, you have the real struggles that come in. The real stuff. You know. And we was experiencing some of that real stuff and 
when you experience the real stuff, you, the enemy will give you a thought, you're not loved. I remember my wife sat me down his first year, I'll never forget it. See, I want to tell you two things that'll help you for the rest of our marriage. One is I love you. Two is I love God more than I love you, so you can count on that love. Don't be deceived. You are a beloved brother. Don't be deceived. God is love. Don't be deceived. The church is designed to love you. Don't receive the bad news from a bad day, from a bad person or a bad situation and define it as the whole. You are in a love place by a, love God, a loving God. And yes, things not going completely right in your life, but you got a lot of love, a whole lot of love. So I want to say to you very simply, we can all be deceived, but don't. You are loved. You are loved and you need to know it. That next verse says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and proceeds down from the Father of lights where there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good thing you have, James Lowe, comes from God. Every good thing you have, congregation, comes from God. Everything that you ever do. And I think that one thing that obscures, obscures God's goodness is when we superimpose, the, the word lust means to superimpose your will over the will of another. In other words, some, sometimes what we do, God gives us his good news about the good life and the good things that he has for us and the enemy puts something in front of it to obscure your view and make you believe that truth and desire that thing over what God is presenting you with. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. You've got some good things going on in your life. You might feel like it's miserable right now, but you got good things. Take a breath. Ooh, that's a real good thing. Time. Time on this planet. Time. God gives you love. When there was darkness on the face of the deep and the earth was void, God said, let me give the world light. When there was sin that entered the world and death that came with sin, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In him is light. In him is life. In him is love and no darkness at all. In him is goodness and not wickedness. In him is love and favor and kindness. In him is everything you can ever want, everything you could ever desire. But there's another message that can come forth and it comes from your flesh or comes from the evil one. It's like Gideon in the Bible in Judges 6 when he was being, his life was all upside down and the Midianites for seven years had been robbing them of food and cattle and family and they were hiding out in caves and they cried out to the Lord for help and God showed up and the angel showed up and said, Gideon, you're strong. I've got the solution. Get out there. Now you're going you're gonna to win. Gideon could not receive the good news because the bad news was so bad. A good God who was giving him a perfect gift and a perfect word is something he could not receive. Here's, here's what he actually said in Judges. L listen to this. Judges 6, 6, 13. Here it goes. But Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders? that our fathers told us about. Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us 
and put us into the hands of the Midianites. Here God is giving the answer to your troubled situation, to your troubled life, and instead of receiving the angel, receiving God's word, receiving the blessing, receiving the strength, receiving the, the, the courage, you receive the narrative that the enemy gave you that your life is not worth living, that your, your, your troubles are greater than your God. And this is what happens when we're in deception, but every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. When God shows up in your life and he gives you a word, he watches over that word to see that it's performed. If he promised that he's going to love you, he's going to love you. If he promised he's going to give you peace, he's going to give you peace. He's not a father who promises you a good thing and gives you a bad thing instead. The nature of God, the character of God as father is under attack. Yes, we know that God is a spirit. We know that those that worship him is in spirit and in spirit in truth. We know he's neither male nor female, but he has decided, he has made a choice to reveal himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit because we needed to know that God the Father relates to God the Son and it relates to God the Holy Spirit and relates to us as a father. It's something we all need. So if you had a father wound, if you had something broken or missing in your life, sometimes you can miss out on God because that wound is there because there have been abuse or abandonment or disappointment or failure to meet expectations or goals. I have my, in my own life, my father failed. He was abusive and he, he, he failed to meet the goals. And what you can do is you can feel abandoned and you can feel left out and you can feel that you're not included. But what if I told you that he is a father to the fatherless? He is a friend to those who need him. That he need, you need to know him as father. He loves you that much. Let's just look at his resume real quick. Let me go through just two or three of these so you can hear his resume. I just said this, this is a good one. Father, our father is a protector. Psalm 68, five says, father to the fatherless and a protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. That means if you feel like your father has abandoned you or you feel fatherless, you don't have to worry about it because in those moments when you need your protector, in those moments when you need someone to instruct you, in those moments when you need someone to provide for you, God has said, I divinely step in and do what your natural father could not do. And I become a father to you. I become a mentor to you. I become intimately close to you. I know that the world is trying to give you the news that I'm very distant and I'm uninvolved and I'm stoic and I abandon my people to sin, but I want you to know I'm a very present help in the time of trouble. And even when you can't see me, I am there. Even when you don't know what's going on, I'm making sure I make a way for you out of no way. God the Father is there. You need to enjoy that part of his resume. He's the Father of all mercies according to 2 Corinthians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies. Isn't that great, great news? I don't know about you, but I still fall down. And, and, and it's hard sometimes to get up when, when the thing that you fell down on makes you feel guilty, makes you feel worthless, makes you feel unforgiving. But the Father of mercies has said, my grace is sufficient for you. I still forgive you. I still love you. I still care about you. I still think about you. I'm not going to let that mark you. I'm not going to let that define you. I'm not going to let that scar you. I'm 
I'm not going to let that break you. My mercies are new every morning. So get on up, son. It's still a life worth living. But Lord, you don't know what I did yesterday. He said, I know what you did yesterday. I know what you did today. And I know you're going to make a few more mess ups tomorrow. But I decided to be a father to you. And I promise I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never let you down. I'm not like your earthly father. He's a little bit limited in his love. I'm a heavenly father. I know how to brood over my children. I know how to watch out for you. I know how to love you and hug you. You're not anything but beloved. See, that's his resume. His resume is great. The Bible says he, he does it from everlasting to everlasting. He's pretty powerful. See, we can all be deceived. But don't. You are loved. The Father is never changing in his good love towards you. Never changing. He's no shadow of variance. He is never changing. He's always there. Oh my God. He's always there. Even when you can't see him, he's working. Even when you can't see him, he's working. And I know the news of the enemy says, you can't see him, he ain't working. Even when you cannot see him, he's working. He's still your gift. He's still your God. But I love the familiar relationship. He's family. If he was just, he's just not my Lord and Savior. He's just not my God. He's my heavenly Father. That's my gift. Some of us need to unwrap this gift. And I want you to know the scripture makes it very clear this is not incidental. In verse 18 it says, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of all creatures. What is he saying to the group of people he's meeting with? He said, I know that somebody's trying to come in and give you news different than the good news of the gospel I gave you. I know that there's a whispering spirit trying to speak against my character and say, I'm tempting with you with evil. I'm bringing evil to you. And it's making you point the finger at me instead of pointing it at yourself and, and the devil. And it's bringing a wedge and a separation. He said, but when I gave you the good news about me, the good news about Christ, the good news about redemption, no one made me do it. No one whispered in my ear. No angel whispered in his ear. It'd be a good idea to help the people out, Lord of his own will. He works now, no one counsels him. And he works in us the will and the do of his good pleasure. You have a choice to make. Are you gonna be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove it is a good, acceptable, perfect will of God? Or you're going to let the bad news in the world define you? This will never get right. I'm never gonna feel love. Some of you, I say that, Holy Ghost, some of you have experienced abuses and pains that have so marked you, you feel like you'll walk with those limps for the rest of your life. But I'm telling you, there's a great gift of a great God who not only purges and cleanses, washes, he wipes away some of the death, stale and dirty memories that come up in the mind that the enemy tries to mark you by. You're not marked by your last failure. I know the enemy tells you you have an obligation to, to think on how horrible you are for the last horrible thing you did. But the good news about who he is as a father is, he forgave you for that and he cast your sin as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it more, no more. No one is forcing God to do anything for us. He loves us 
Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. Stand to your feet. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he said, Behold, I give unto them eternal life. Neither shall they perish, neither shall any man pluck them from my hand. My Father, who is greater than all, has given them to me, and no man can pluck them from his hand. You've got eternal life, then you've got Jesus, and you've got the Father, and they got you held tight. Maybe your gift is greater than you could ever imagine. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves Oh, he loves, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. I want you to just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. I just want to tell you something about me while you're not looking at me, so you're thinking about yourself. Uh, Knowing God as Father, and that he could actually be a loving father and actually love me is the single most important truth that changed me more than anything else in all my life. One of the hardest truths for me to ever fully receive. Not just that I was loved, but that I could be loved in the way the father actually does love. No earthly father could ever fully point us to what our heavenly father is. And Jesus says, you who our evil know how to give good gifts to your children. He said, clearly, you know, there's such a distance between us and God. We can't quite fully point to him. In a way, we're supposed to reflect his light like the moon, but every time we become a partial eclipse for our children until they can see around us. The mercy of God still gets to us. I believe there's some in here today that you really need to receive the gift of the Father's love, but you're struggling to receive it. As Pastor James talked about this gift of Christmas, it's important you pause now. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, all I want to ask you to do is if that's you and you're struggling to really truly receive the gift of the love of the Father right now in your life, I just want you to look up and lock eyes with me. I'm going to look over to my right. It's your left. If you're looking at me, I'm assuming that's you. Yes? Okay. Someone else? I'm looking through. Yep. Okay. I see you, man. Yep. Looking up in the back. Okay. In the middle. Looking in the middle. I see you. Okay. Just lock eyes with me. All right, looking in the back. Quite a few. Yeah, over here on the left, my right. 
just look up at lock eyes with me. I want to pray with you. If that's what you're struggling with, just shake your head at me when I see you. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Okay. I see you right there. Others? If you're looking at me, I think it's you. Okay. If we just locked eyes, if we did that so I can keep praying for you, I am going to keep praying for you, but I want you to pray now with me something like this prayer. In the privacy of your own mind, you can hear our thoughts before they ever reach our lips. Say something like this, Father, I need to receive your love. I need to open that gift. But it's like I'm at the Christmas tree and it's got some kind of packaging on it. I can't quite get open myself. And I need my Father's help to open the gift my Father gave me. Would you help me open that gift right now? Would you cut through something in my heart that is blocking me from receiving that gift? Would you do that even now? And Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the greatest gift that was sent. And that you are the greatest sign of the Father's love to ever come to humanity. I believe that you're my Lord, but I want to receive you as a gift of love, not a gift of judgment. Would you forgive and cleanse every sin in my life? Turn me fully and completely toward you. And help me believe your forgiveness all the way down into my bones. Holy Spirit, Spirit of love, would you come and fill me now? As Romans 5.5 says, you'll pour out your love into our hearts and so our hope won't disappoint us because it's coming from you in an eternal, unending flow. Would you flow into us, Holy Spirit, right now? And I believe that you're doing it for me now. Thank him for it. Thank him for it in your own way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you give God thanks for what he's doing this morning? If you just prayed that prayer, ministry team, would you come down? Ministry team, please be down here. If you just prayed that prayer, I encourage you to pray through it with someone in the flesh. If it's not someone next to you, it might be a ministry team member down here. If there's someone that you have a burden for this Christmas season, they don't know the love of the Father, you want them to know it, this would be a good time to pray with somebody. You could come down and pray with one of these ministry team leaders. They will agree together with you for the salvation of that person you're praying for or for the love of the Father to reach them in a way it never has. They're here for a reason. Take advantage of them or any other prayer needs you have that I wouldn't know to mention. If this is your first time at Bethel, we'd like to greet you over at Guest Central. So right there to my left, your right, you see the banners. Pastor James is there to meet you. Thank you for worshiping with us at Bethel today. Don't just leave this place and leave what happened here behind. Take the love of the Father with you this week and unwrap it every day of this week. Unwrap the greatest gift you're going to receive this Christmas, the gift of God's love. You're sent in that love. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are sent. Go with God.